Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are we all today? Here in the United Kingdom, it is evening time. It is very beautiful. The sun is going to be setting maybe in about half an hour. And, you know, it's that beautiful time in between day and night. You know, all things are possible when you see either the sun rising or the sun setting. It reminds us that we are part of something infinite and that we ourselves are actually infinite beings. We are part of this beautiful world, of these beautiful galaxies, and each and every one of us has a fragment of a star or two. And that, I think, is enough hope for anyone at any time to keep going and to keep hoping and to know that we are part of a huge plan that is beautiful and divine. And with that in mind, I am very delighted tonight to welcome my guest, who is the very, very interesting Sharif Joinson. Sharif is a writer, a coach, and a consultant. He leads workshops, gives talks, and for select clients, runs private coaching programs. He has been writing for many years now and has been featured in various publications. He is also the author of The Relationship Samurai, A Man's Guide to Owning Himself and Mastering his relationships. What a grand title. I'm sure he'll tell us all about that later. Sharif coined the term unhealed man in his work, helping women navigate relationships with the kind of man who is emotionally unavailable and fearful of commitment. His deep understanding of these dynamics comes from once being such a man himself before his journey to the darkest parts of his past and giving love to the scars that lay there. What a beautiful line. I can't say I've written this. These are Sharif's own words. Sharif became involved in martial arts also as a child and has practiced meditation and practical psychology since his early teens. He says that his mission is to reshape men's presence in the world. What a wonderful task. And the world's perception of them into one of integrity and radical honesty by working with them and the women who try to love them. Today, he shares his amazing knowledge and we are very privileged to have him here. Welcome, dear Sharif. Oh, thank you very much for such a beautiful intro. I have to say it was very relaxing and calming. I feel like I've just been on a, a guided meditation. And, uh, and the way you said the, the title of my book actually was, was amazing. It made me want to go and buy it. It was fantastic. So I'm going to go you. and buy it. <laughs> but I saw you have two books, do you? Well, one uh, is a work in progress, or more oh. honestly, was a work in progress that is now on the back burner while I focused the, the content of what was going to be that book into um, really giving it away for free online in my uh, Facebook group and my Instagram. And that is revolving around the unhealed man. And so the, the title of that book is, was uh, Loving 
the Unhealed Man, which is now, as you know, a, a Facebook group. And really mm -hmm. the content of that book is, is really what I put out now in posts. And what I've done instead is create a coaching program as I just realized that very few people really change their lives from reading a book, whereas a really good uh, in-depth program can actually do that. So if I really want to serve people rather than just kind of be known as the author of this book, it mm. was a more kind of honest thing to do, really. Yeah, it's, um, it's a fascinating subject. And I have to say to the listeners, Sharif has so many strings, you know, to his bow because he does so many things which he's going to tell us about, which I feel are desperately needed in these times and actually in every time, but especially in these times when things seem to be upside down. But in fact, everything is, a go is actually going according to some sort of, I don't know, heavenly plan out there. But tell us, Sharif, a little bit about how you started this journey and to in a way it's it's a discovery of sorts of what is actually needed for men and women out there mm -hmm. yeah so it's been a, a very interesting and unusual journey and i suppose the abbreviated version of events is um i got into martial arts at a very young age um for you know reasons that you could say it was just meant to be. It's definitely, I've always felt really aligned, like karmically aligned with the martial arts. But you could also say it was a consequence of the environment I grew up in, not feeling very safe and really wanting to be able to protect myself and my loved ones as well, my mum and my sister in particular. Um, and so I, I got into the martial arts and also through that discovered Eastern spirituality and philosophy. And then through then, I guess, kind of through that, got into self-development. And as I started teaching self-defense and martial arts, that self-defense really quite quickly became self-development because I've always had such a strong focus on the internal world, on the psychological and energetic. And so rather than just teaching people how to kick and punch and, you know, fight off muggers, I realized that what we're really talking about here is boundaries and having a sort of really strong sense of self and a very strong capacity to hold this energy of no. And so, as you know, the way most people's kind of uh, issues with boundaries show up is in their intimate relationships, which has always been another area that I was very focused on. So that environment I grew up in was really revolving around my parents' um, unhealthy relationship and then divorce when I was five years old and my dad's... Um, yeah, very unconscious and unhealthy response to that divorce, if we could say. So this, yeah. these two things of like physical safety and trying to figure out uh, relationships and how do I end up not like my dad, which was a kind of question that I was asking from a very young age, um, all came together in, in this work that I was doing. So this self-defense became self-development and I got into that and the practical psychology. And, and as I said, the intimate relationships aspect of that is really what, um, you know, stood out the most. And that's really what I've been doing for the last few years now is focusing on, on relationships. So I think that's about it. I could probably throw in a whole bunch more experiences and, and stuff. There's also the, the personal training that I did and, um, and that work in the fitness industry, which really got me in touch with people's bodies, uh, which really, mm. again, you know, with a really strong focus on the internal, I, I had, People coming to me because they wanted six packs and biceps and whatever, you know, to burn belly fat and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. But what I was really feeling in their bodies was their emotions and their internal world. And that's what I really wanted to work with. So I kind of, um, yeah, left, left the fitness industry uh, as quickly as I could <laughs> once I realized that's what yeah. I was meant to be doing. Mm. And did you ever delve into sort of any therapies that were not sort of cognitive or psychological, but were more hands-on? Have you ever done any um, work as, for example, as healing or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I've received a lot of that um, mm -hmm. for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, through 
sound it might sound funny, but actually through teaching people unarmed combat. And and it's actually a very hands-on kind of thing, as you'd imagine, where I'm mm. actually really sort of physically adjusting people's bodies and and getting them to uh for example uh vocalize from a from their from their belly as opposed to from their chest and you'll know that as, as somebody who works with with her voice that mm. you know I'd really um learned to uh teach people how to live speak and even think and feel from different energy centers in their body and that's obviously you know come from my martial arts experience so um yes and no I suppose is the answer to that one because you know when you think about it when you're in effect doing the work that you're doing it actually goes on many levels it doesn't just rely on that physical talking you've got to feel that other person um you know i know in the work that i do it's not just about talking to that person or giving a treatment it 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 isn't about that it's about feeling the energy of that per, you know of that person and I'm wondering, it's something that I felt as a child. Is that something that because of what you went through as a child, Sharif, that intensified that t- sensitivity? Yeah, m- most certainly. I think I developed a intense sensitivity to other people so that I could detect where they were coming from whether I was in danger or whether they needed something from me. So, you know, specifically, it was like um, I got very sensitive to anger and aggression because that's what I saw from my dad. And then Mm -hmm. I got very sensitive to um, people's need or sense of need or my belief that they needed me from my mum, you know, from her kind of... uh, you know, the anxiety that she suffered at that time, you know, I stepped into this role of, I, I will be the protector. I was the only man in the house now, you know, and even though I was only five, six years old, I kind of took on that man of the house role uh, in one way or another, or actually in various ways. And to be quite honest, I never really got told that that wasn't my job, you know, so I developed that kind of sensitivity. And that's a very common reoccurring theme amongst men is this feeling of being responsible for someone else's happiness so to speak and um and that that's where i really got such a deep insight into what i you know now i I now call the unhealed man i have a lot of friends who male friends who are into the martial arts world and into as you say the eastern philosophies and you know, ways of living. And I have a friend of mine who had an experience. He had two sisters and his father wasn't there, but his mum was very, very afraid consistently because she turned to be a drug addict in the end Mm. because she was kidnapped and was held for about six months. And I remember him saying to me, you know what, Mimi, I actually, from the age of five, So it reminded me of what you said. I had to sleep with a knife under my pillow. And I remember, and he now does yoga. He teaches MMA. He's a very spiritual person. But he said, had I not gone through that very physical aspect in my life, I could never have reached the pinnacle of my spirituality because they go hand in hand. Is that something that you have found, Sharif? Yes, I mean it's it's uh, very interesting, though not entirely surprising, because I've heard very similar things as well. There seems to be a kind of karmic pattern here in the universe, but similar to your friend, I was also five years old when I first picked up a knife with the intent mm. to use it um, to to keep my mum safe. And um, there's some in in a moment like that, whether you're keeping it under your pillow, or in my case, when you grab it from the kitchen because you think your dad's about to kick the front door in and, and murder you all, uh, something happens where, you know, as, as one of my mentors, who she's a, 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 psych, a veteran psychoanalyst, would say the, uh, the veil of innocence has been removed, you know. And, and so this, mm-hmm. in that moment, you kind of, uh, 
yeah, life gets so real that you either the the profundity of that either de destroys you or it becomes something spiritual. I would say. Yeah, there is no. I don't feel that there is a middle ground in these circumstances. I do absolutely agree with you, Sharif, in that it's either this way or that way, and you've chosen obviously the right path, but it's such a fine and delicate line. Mm. Now, moving on with regards to your quest in a way of the unhealed man, tell us a little bit about what you do and about this whole term of the unhealed man. Mm. Yeah, so... Uh, when my self-defense coaching really started to become self-development, at that time, it was exclusively with men. So I wanted to work really with men who were very much like me. You know, we, here we are all learning how to fight and whatnot and disarm guns and things. Yet we were all kind of, I, this, I noticed this pattern that we didn't have very strong boundaries elsewhere. So you're learning how to deal with this situation that's almost you know, it's very unlikely to happen in your life. And yet these same guys and myself included were, you know, afraid of our bosses or afraid of our girlfriends and, you know, couldn't stand up for ourselves. But here we are learning to take out multiple attackers with knives and all this kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I would work with men um, at one point and that was my first uh, dipping my toe into self-development, not for myself, because I've been doing it for many years for myself, but in providing it for others, I decided to become a life coach for men. And that was the first incarnation of that. Um, and then in more recent years, the unhealed man phrase came from actually trying to help women understand men in such a way so that mm. they could navigate relationship and where they could break the cycle of either, you know, attracting emotionally unavailable men all the time or whether they were in a relationship, uh, you know, at the, at the time with somebody who had become or maybe always was emotionally distant or what you might say avoidant if we're going to look at the sort of attachment styles. And I, and I coined this term unhealed man because, mm. you know, really I wanted to shine a light on the fact that this these behaviors that that you know that really hurt women quite a lot you know in in the relationships realm come from the unhealed parts of men and that you know the part of my message there is that ultimately we're all unhealed and another reason that I wanted to use this more compassionate term was because there's a lot of stuff out there about narcissistic men the narcissist i was in a relationship with a narc and and it, it's so one it's disempowering for the person who feels that they have been the victim of narcissistic abuse it kind of attributes all kind of magical super dark powers it's like makes this this man a dark wizard who can manipulate you and hypnotize you and all this kind of stuff but also it's just very unhelpful in the ongoing struggle for men that's going on in the world, which, you know, and as you, you mentioned in the intro, my, although I work exclusively with women these days, my mission really is to reshape men's presence in the world and the world's perception of them. That's where my heart really lies. And so, yeah, you know, men, men have this ongoing struggle with being the bad guy, you know, for various reasons, you know, some justified and some uh, a little bit out of proportion, but there it is, and, and that's really what I'm doing, is trying to heal that for everybody's sake. And how long do you think, because it wasn't always like that, Sharif, if we look sort of back 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, men had a very definitive role in society. Mm -hmm. But now it seems that they don't really know their place. They're not speaking... Collectively, you know, it's not for mm -hmm. every man, of course, but the majority don't really know what actually they're doing a lot of the time with respect to their relationships with women. They don't know what women want. They don't really know what they want. And somehow you're right in what you say. Women have become, a lot of women have become man haters in some way, sadly. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
that that same woman that hates a man to the point of destruction is also the same woman that wants the knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did it all happen? Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> Whose fault was it? Let's yes. see. Let's see. Um, everybody's, to be quite honest, everybody's mm. fault. <laughs> and nobody's <laughs> at the same time. Mm. I mean, the the general sort of understanding that I have and, and a lot of my peers in this sort of relationships realm as well generally feel that there, there's, it's kind of like a pendulum swing that goes from one extreme to the other throughout <clears throat> culture and, and society. And so roughly speaking, without asking me for historical dates and references, because I don't have them, but um, roughly speaking, it's something like um, the oppression of women over centuries, right? And uh, civilizations where women were essentially the property of men and belonged to men, but not in a heartfelt, belonging, devotional, uh, loving ownership kind of way, like a, you know, sort of uh, consensual, mutual thing, o- owned as possessions, right? Which, of course, is going to leave um, a horrendous uh, emotional scar on the collective psyche of that group of people, in this case, women. And so you have the advent of women's liberation, and, and rightly so. And of course, the, the old F word, feminism, which, um, you know, w- was there to take women out of that place and into a place of, of obviously equality and, and equal worth and value in society. Because of course, this is, you know, anything other than that is, is absolutely perverse. But as with a lot of things that human beings do, Sometimes things go too far, you know, and, yeah. and when you're doing, when you're taking an action, and this is, of course, I'm speaking broad now, when one is taking an action that comes from a wounded place, a traumatized place, when they're acting out of trauma, i.e. unconscious reaction versus conscious response and heart-connected response, there's always going to be that danger. In fact, it's almost guaranteed that one will go too far, that it will um it won't it might get you in the in the short term what you want but in the long term it's going to cost you in some other way so this kind of unconscious rage of of what i would call the feminine you know the collective feminine which is an understandable kind of thing um when when that part of us or that part of women specifically is running the show all kinds of problems, secondary problems are going to come up and then you're going to get the pendulum swing in the other way. And this is actually happening now where many men, there's actually a movement called men going their own way, which is uh, growing at a scarily rapid pace. And its principles aren't entirely wrong, but the energetic quality of the way they go about it and where it's coming from, i.e. a wounded reactionary place is very problematic. So here we have Men and women saying, F you, I don't need you. Well, F you, I don't need you. Well, actually, you're all full of shit because we all need each other. And, and that's really what I'm trying to fix over here. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the truth. I mean, I had this experience the other day. I was with my hairdresser and um, I've known her for many years now. And she had a client in and the client was a nurse and she was very tough, I have to say. She's very, very tough. And there was this exterior to her that was more like, how can I say? It was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And and then I always find that a challenge, you know, to talk to people like that um, in the sense of, I think you have got a soft side. I know you have. It's just pressing that right button to open that door. And um, I said, well, well, your hair looks really nice. And she said, oh, do you think so? And I said, yeah. Um, are you married? And she said, no, but I'm getting married. Mm. And she immediately softened. And I mm. said, oh, right. I said, well, that's rather lovely. When is that? And she said, oh, next year. And her demeanor, Sharif, she completely changed her demeanor. Mm. It was this place of love. But it's so difficult, isn't it, these days, to get to that place of love? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, people are, everybody's carrying around their wounds and, you know, I don't want to get too ranty and, and negative here, but I, I have to say that it feels to me like technology and the internet and social media, what it does, I mean, in, in the, in the, as you know, you've got these algorithms that show you more of what you want to see, right? So it's like this digital reticular activating system, which is a, a you know, a, a part of the human psyche, which may, basically makes us see more of what we want to see, kind of is an inner uh, radar system for what we, you know, it's that whole thing of your attention, where your attention goes, energy flows, right? So there's, yeah. you've got this kind of AI tech version of that, where if you're Googling stuff to do with narcissistic abuse and, and this dynamic where you're a victim and men are bad guys, you've got to be careful. And, or if you're a man and you're, you know, looking at stuff that's kind of coming from this uh, misogynistic kind of place. In the, there's a kind of um, f- this men going your own way thing. It's kind of this misogynistic flavor of self-development. So it's a very weird kind of thing where men are trying to grow themselves as people, but in this anti-woman kind of way, which is pretty pathetic, if I'm honest. And, and so if one is Googling anything like this and, and mm. joining Facebook groups of that nature and this kind of thing, you're going to get more and more of that brought to you. And, and so we live in a time where if whatever your wounds are, whatever your dysfunction is, if, if you could put it that way, you, we live in a time and a, an era where that gets fed, where it is the wounded part of oneself that gets fed the most and and so yeah, it's all quite unhealthy out there I have to say. That's a very interesting point actually because it is if you totally focus on these negative aspects of your past present or experience the more you feed that in a way the bigger it gets. Mm-hmm. And somehow, energetically, internet-wise, call it how you like, spiritually, whatever it is, however you're emitting that energy, that's what you're actually attaching to you. That's it. That's exactly it. And and so, you know, what I do in, in the work that I do is really yeah. get people to make that inner shift so that their focus is on a, in a completely different place because what you focus on grows. So if you're focusing on there are no good men, if you're focusing on women are all users or whatever it is, oh. guess what's going to show up in your world? And, you know, as you said, there are multiple levels that that takes place on. There's, as I believe, the energetic and the spiritual. There's the purely psychological, which is that reticular activating system that is a, an actual thing in, uh, in neuroscience. And then there is the algorithmic of the technology that most of us are addicted to and on all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, I spoke about this the other day, actually, in a way, whereas technology is supposed to be serving us, we have become, sadly, in some cases, the servants of technology. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, admittedly, I leverage it myself through my Instagram, my Facebook group, and I use various what I, I suppose, to be quite honest and, and frank with it, they are marketing strategies, right, in order to get people uh, closer and closer to me. And if they're a good fit, then I can help them, right? But mm-hmm. it's so I can help them. <laughs> so yeah. my, I, my intent is ultimately good. But if it wasn't, and is it, I don't believe it is for most companies out there most tech companies and Mm, all of that mm. kind of stuff then um yeah then as you say we're kind of in the matrix so to speak yeah it's strange i was talking to somebody a few months ago and they were you know the classic without going too much into it you know our phones Mm. and how if you look everywhere people are looking they're walking past they're walking down the road they're in the woods they're wherever but they're not looking. And I have a friend exactly like that. She can be doing whatever. We could be in the most beautiful of places, but she's looking at her phone. And I'm wondering, is that also part of it, Sharif, that has brought this wedge between people? Absolutely. I mean, technology is 
Because here's the thing, you've got this device in your hand, which is basically magic. I mean, when you, they, yeah. they didn't even predict this, the existence of this thing in Star Trek, you know, it was, yeah. um, it, it's, it's an amazing, it is like magic. And so what people do then is they use it and their subconscious uses it in whatever way it wants to, in the same way it might use a drug or any other kind of substance mm. or any other kind of mood altering uh, behavior. You know, so this is where the conversation around addictions comes in. And, and so one of the things that comes up a lot in my work in relationships is the language of the uh, addiction uh, therapeutic world, really, because it, it's basically the same thing. And one of the ways that that shows up, in fact, I was starting to put a um, together a post about this today, actually, which is in in particular for the the women in my audience who want to kind of learn about the unhealed man and learn how to navigate relationships and break those patterns one of the things that i see consistently over and over is this kind of what is ultimately a validation addiction or attention addiction and i say that as a as a former um validation addict myself you know fully fully admitted and the way that, that shows up that. sorry to interrupt hmm. you yeah. Um, um explain to the listeners out there, for those that don't don't know about this, what is um this particular syndrome in a way of mm. wanting always to be in a way validated to be a human being? Yeah, well, in particular, I mean it mm. it's it's basically an addiction to being seen in a positive light. So because one is unable to basically see themselves in such a way that they use other people as a mirror in order to kind of see their own reflection, but to see the reflection that they want. And so that shows up in any number of ways where we, you know, it could be in the way we dress, in the way we speak, in the way we act, in the way we perform at work, or the way we perform in general. And performance is a key piece of this, is that we become these kind of performers where as we get the attention that we want, maybe from the opposite sex or same sex or whatever, mm. or uh, the likes on the posts, on the selfies that we put and things like that, it, it basically alleviates this sense of unworthiness because we get that validation and it's like a hit. And so uh, in particular with the, the women who I help, one of the reoccurring themes I see is there's this kind of, um, to be quite blunt about it, a kind of selfie addiction where mm -hmm. it's, I post this thing of my face, of my body, whatever it is, and then I get the likes and then I like that I get the likes and that soothes this feeling of, of I mean, I can't speak for other people, but it might be loneliness, a kind of emptiness, a kind of sadness, a kind of grief in the body. And the, one of the problems with that, and particularly with the women who want to finally get into a relationship with a man who is very conscious, who chooses them with his whole heart and takes ownership and shows up, is that they never really get in touch with the true yearning that lives in their heart for partnership, for love. As feminine beings, they, you know, love is their priority in life you know, whether they, to be honest, whether they want to admit it or not in mm. some cases. And so if one is constantly getting sort of micro hits of attention, then they don't really get in touch with their true yearning for connection. And so because they don't really get in touch with that, you can't really do the work around it. So when I work with women, one of the things that we do is really get you in touch with what you're really feeling. And, and I do this work along with my partner, Beth, by the way. So I, I am aware that as a man, there's a certain limit and how much I can teach mm -hmm. about these things. So, you know, she is also a, a coach and a, an author as well, actually. And so, um, you know, what we've got to do is get in touch with what the real feeling is. But if you're constantly medicating on the attention that social media gives you, it's impossible to really get in touch with it. It's like, um, again, to use the addiction uh, language it's like going into rehab but taking a kind of you know uh, a, a bit a supply in there with you so you, you every night you have a little 
whatever a hit of whatever the thing you're supposed mm. to be detoxing from it just won't work you you have to feel what you're really feeling and what most of us are doing is using technology to medicate so we numb out with it we get the likes from it we you know um alleviate it by getting addicted to anything you know pinterest addiction youtube addiction facebook addiction and all the rest of it and you know as a as a man with two kids who are um, about to be 10 years old and 13 years old this is a, a big deal for me and so um yeah, yeah I, I see it forming before my very eyes in in moments and uh it terrifies me to be honest with you it's a very scary world i think with regards to children because it is not like maybe when you or i were growing up it's a completely different world mm-hmm. and we and also the children of today are different you know every generation is different so we have to allow also there has to be some freedom in their spirit you know to feel free to grow and to reach its I don't know to reach those places where they feel happy enough and free enough to express themselves but equally it's a very vulnerable position because there's so many out there, isn't there, who do not wish the best for them and who are trying to literally entice them to a completely dark side. So that balance is not just difficult. I think at some point it also seems impossible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a very difficult world to navigate. And as you said, I mean... I can't even imagine what it would be like to grow up in a world that where the not only is was the internet there, but social media exists straight away. I mean, you know, mm. you and I have seen it form. So there's some, uh, you know, sense of the the unrealness of it. But mm. if you, if you were just born into a world of it, um, it's very difficult. So you know, sc- scary times, I have to say, and it's partly why. Beth and I have moved out of London and into the the countryside just to have a, a different energy yeah. of life where, you know, we and also uh, m- my kids as well, who when they come to stay with us because they live with their mum back in London, uh, mm-hmm. they uh, they just have a, a chance, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, what, they're lucky that they have you now living in the countryside because at least they have that balance hopefully and they will have that balance where I think if I lived in London I'd pull my eyelashes out and everyone else's <laughs> because it would just drive me insane although you know I have to go into London and you know I've worked in London a lot but I, I couldn't live there um, mm. big cities are not for me I love visiting them but I think everything's about balance and I suppose it comes also, Sharif, that unless we're balanced as people, we can't be helping others, including children. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, coming back to the sort of relationships thing as well, an interesting mm. thing about cities such as London is what I've found is they're really the loneliest places where you're surrounded yeah. by so many people that you have nobody that you're really close with or nobody in your life. It's very difficult to make genuine, authentic connections with people when mm. there are just so many damn people. And, you know, yes. evolutionarily yeah. speaking, we're not used to that. We're not used to being, you know, our inner caveman part of us, so to speak, or you don't even have to go that far back, just isn't really familiar with being in a uh, such close proximity with, you know, 8 million other people, and, and especially of all from different places and speaking different languages as well, which yeah. has its own challenges. It's it's a, there's amazing things that come with that too, but very challenging in many ways. And and also one of the the things about that urban environment is you don't get to see the sun set or rise at a certain yeah. point in the horizon. And and I, you know, it really has a, a detrimental effect on that circadian rhythm and your internal mm. uh, energies and all the rest of it. It is. And especially, you know, as I was saying to you, you were saying to me, you know, before we came on about that you could see the sun setting. Mm. There is very few things in this world, I think, that are more beautiful than actually being able to see the sunset. It's such a small thing. You know, people 
will say, well, you know, a big deal. But actually, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Here we are, part of this whole planet that's sort of hurtling around and we can see the sun setting. And it's things like that, I think, once we get in touch with our real selves, as you said, we can appreciate and actually taste life a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's really what we want to do here is really just reconnect with nature and therefore ourselves, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, I heard something really beautiful today, actually, which is the, you know, the stars and the, the heavens, as we tend to call them, were the was the original kind of clock, you know, the original time keeping device. Mm-hmm. So you look up and there's this turning, you know, motion of the stars. And, and then we develop the sundial, which is like a projection. So you can see on the floor, the sort of turning and the rotation of things and that which indicates time. And so if you look at, I, I now, as of today, look at clocks in a completely different way, or that is to say, you know, sort of analog clocks anyway, which is that turning you know, you look up to the clock on the wall and you see the, the, the hands turning so that you can see what time it is. And in the past, that's exactly what we did, except it was the sky. You know, you look up and you see where, which, where everything is in that rotational pattern to determine where you are in time and space. And it's such a, such a sort of awe-inspiring thing when you think of it like that. Oh, I think it's amazing. What a beautiful thing to share with us. Thank you. <laughs> it, that, was so beautiful actually and you know in the olden days they actually the elders one of the cures for feeling down or depressed was actually to look at the sky Mm. they would always say look at the sky if you're feeling down whether it be morning afternoon nighttime just look at the sky and you will see that you are part of something quite astonishing yeah Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 that's really at the heart of of what I do and what we teach, and it's ultimately about really not just redeveloping that relationship with yourself, but to the what we call you know love with a capital L, so love itself. So you know the, mm. the program that we run is called Led by Love, but when most people hear love, what they think is oh man woman romantic kind of love and that and that's that would make sense but actually what we're talking about is love as in really a higher power and and love itself and it's our belief that love wants something for you you know and so part of the process that we teach is teaching people how to feel into each moment what does love want right now what what's the most loving thing right now what is in most alignment with love itself as a as a force in the universe and when we realize that that is always there for us and you go through a process of really reconnecting to that from your childhood. So you kind of what we call rewriting your inner script where you, you change this narrative that's been running since you were maybe five years old or whatever that mm. says that you're unlovable or there is no love or there's not enough love to go around or whatever it is. When you go through a process of actually realizing that love has always been there for you and is there, when you develop your relationship to love itself, that's when all the other sort of relationship stuff, you know, the the sort of intimate romantic stuff starts to sort itself out. And that's when all the tools that people are trying to learn through, you know, reading Facebook posts and reading books and all the rest of it is actually able to, to work for you because you're coming at it from a completely different place. How wonderful. My goodness. Tell us more about this program that you run. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an eight-week program that we run, and it's for two particular kind of groups of women. It's either mm-hmm. single women who want to break the cycle of attracting emotionally unavailable men and uh, attract a man who is honest and knows what he wants and is mature and is in it, you know, for real. And the other group of women is for women who are already in relationship where uh, their partner has become emotionally distant or they recognize that they are in the uh, anxious avoidant dance, as it's known. And so uh, for those two groups of women, we take them through this process and there's a slightly different variations depending on which group you're in. But it's, um, 
it's a group-based thing. And so it's a, it's done for a, a small number of women at any one time. And it's really a kind of very powerful uh, process that's read, uh, led by myself and, of course, Beth as well, who is a woman and as a woman who has actually done this work and obviously in a way that works because here we are in, in this relationship, which, to be honest, even I didn't even imagine was was really possible. I mean, if I'm, if I'm to be really, really honest and, mm. and without any exaggeration, I've been observing, um, and I don't think I've ever really said this uh, publicly, but I've been observing couples for my whole life. And I can count on one hand the amount of couples where I'm like, wow, they're awesome. I, I, I wish I could be in a relationship like that or, you know, where I really think mm-hmm. they're doing well. And of that handful, we are apart. And I think of, of those couples that I know and some who I don't know personally, so just sort of couples that I know through because they're sort of semi-public figures or whatever, I just don't see anybody sort of really doing it the way we're doing it. And um, apart from maybe one other couple. So I don't know if you must be familiar with, with Tony Robbins and uh, his, his wife, Sage. And I really mm-hmm. look at them as this sort of amazing couple. And, and uh, yeah, and that's what I, I get to enjoy every day now. And, um, and so really what our mission is, our shared mission is to help people achieve that same thing and experience what we experience. And, and uh, fortunately for them, they don't have to go through the years and years and multiple <laughs> different modalities yeah. that we've been through because Beth has done all the things and all over the world and all different kinds of trainings and all of that kind of stuff. But what we've done is distilled it down into a very sort of um, intensive transformative process. So this, so you do coaching programs and they are done, is it one-to-one, Sharif, or is it in a group? So it, it's both. Uh, yeah, it's both. Mm-hmm. And it's an eight-week course. Yeah, so the Led by Love program is an eight-week uh, program, and it's um, we even after the eight weeks, we don't completely let you go. You're kind of a part of our thing. Then <laughs> at that point, we've got you, okay. and we don't let you go. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that ongoing support is really there for forever, really. And what else do you do? What else um, does your work encompass um, for the people out there? Well, in the past, it's encompassed, you know, various uh, different ways of going about it. I've done lots of one-on-one coaching and uh, run seminars and even short retreats. Uh, Of course, I've given lots of talks and things like that. But really, Mm -hmm. uh, Led by Love for the last couple of years now has been my primary focus. Mm. And um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm just deeply committed to that, to be honest with you. And and uh, the men's stuff I do is isn't really professional anymore. It's really just for a private group of my guys, to be honest. And and it's it's as much for me as it is for them. So the men's work that I do is still ongoing, but that's really um, not really a, a public program, so to speak. Okay, and I know people are going to ask me this after we finish. I've got to ask this. <laughs> I've got to ask. I know what's coming. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I get. I've got to know my listeners now um, a little bit. I have to say. So, with regards to men, mm-hmm. so many people, so many women say to me, "He's acting weird. He's acting strange. Um, he's acting distant. I don't know why do I keep attracting people like that into my life." Is there help? for these people that's all they've got to know yeah well absolutely I mean that's precisely what I do and and what it is for them in particular that they need to shift it might be one two maybe three particular things that need to kind of be reframed or turned around for that particular person because in this eight weeks we cover quite a lot of different things there's stuff around obviously communication skills and even how to go about doing dating apps and things like that in a very conscious way and but all of that is relatively surface what we also do is this sort of really deep inner transformation where we rewrite your inner script and we work a lot with understanding the masculine and feminine energies and um and boundaries on a a very embodied level not just a kind of uh, a list of expectations is what most people Mm. do when it comes to boundaries so there's any number of of things that 
uh, women need to do. And why I offer actually uh, clarity calls, as I call them. So they're free 45-minute calls. And on those calls, what I do is I help women get uh, absolutely clear on what it is that they need to shift and also what it is that needs to, um, where they're at, so sort of what needs to change, where they want to be, and what it is their heart really wants, not what their head says they should have, could have, mm. what society says is realistic, but what does your heart want? Because that's what you one needs to get in touch with in order to really make this kind of shift is to use the heart power. And then the third thing, of course, like I said, is the, the thing that needs to shift for them. And, and so that's what I offer people to, to help them get clear on that. And if they're a good fit for the program, not everybody is, to be quite honest, it's quite an exclusive program. And if they are a good fit, then um, I'll invite them in. Uh, but if not, I can point them in the right direction of how to go about starting to make those shifts for themselves. But um, there's absolutely hope. And the, the key part is healing the patterns on a, on a sort of really internal and embodied level. And that's something, though, that I have found with my clients is not just clients, friends, family, they run from that. They are running very far from actually confronting themselves on an inner level. How do you overcome that? How does that bridge get crossed with your work? That's a fantastic question. And and that's partly what it is that makes not everybody suitable for the program because mm. you really need to be in touch with that. And, and I can help people do that. And, uh, but it, they need to meet me halfway, you know, they need to be willing to go there themselves. And so one of the, the, the key things though, to understand for everybody is that, like I was mentioning earlier, that if you're constantly medicating by getting bits of attention so that you never quite get to feel your heart's real yearning for connection mm. along those similar lines. If one is avoidant of their reality of where they're at, you know, mm. so it's like a lot of women I'm speaking to, they're sort of in their late thirties and the, you know, I speak, I work with women of, of all kinds of ages to be honest with you, but a lot of the women, for example, are in the late thirties and that we get to the truth that they do actually want children, for example. But of course, Bio, the biological clock has its, you know, it's a thing, right? And so, yeah. of course, there comes a sort of age where it becomes incredibly painful to be present to that truth if it's looking like, if, if one believes that it's not possible or it's not going to happen. And so to the degree that one avoids the reality of, of like where they're at and how it truly feels is the degree to which they will be stuck in the same pattern. And so it's this really counterintuitive thing that in order to heal it, you've got to feel it. You know, you've got to go into it. And so that's why actually the, the program we run is, has such a heavy group component to it because you need that support. You need that. Yeah. It's very difficult um, to do this kind of stuff by yourself, you know, because it is there does come a point where it's painful and it's not all gruesome and horrific and crying and all that. I mean, our program is definitely not like that. It's actually a very enjoyable process as you get to sort of experience these things shifting and just dissolving, you know, before your eyes. But there is that you have to have that initial willingness to come face to face with the grief of, of your situation and the grief of your past, the grief of what's happening now, you know, the grief, the, the fear of the future and all that kind of stuff. So if, if one is, un, you know, really unwilling to, to go there, then it's very difficult to shift it, but it's totally understandable that people are avoidant of it because again, you, you need that um, immaculate support if you're to go through it. That's why when people, you know, as I'm sure you know, go on these sort of emotional healing journeys, Mm. journey, like with a shamanic journey, the shaman is there to take them through it. Yeah, It's not like, well, here's the book, read this thing or do this thing and do then do this meditation or, 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 you know, do this online program and you'll be good. Somebody has got to take you through it. And that's, that's what we do is really sort of take people through it. That's excellent because so many of these 
coaches out there, I have to say, mm. and the so-called experts open up a Pandora's box, don't oh, they, God. Sharif? Yeah, yeah. And then they leave people in catastrophic states. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. For me, it's <laughs> so refreshing to hear from you to say that, you know, people really do need somebody, literally, they can't walk the way. You can't walk the way for anyone, but you do need somebody as a guide for that part of the journey because it's impossible to do it on your own. Yeah, no, we, what we do is it, it really is we take you by the hand and um, and it really does feel like that. We might not be physically holding your hand, but um, yeah. that's that's the feeling from our end anyway. And, it, and it's a very... Um, it's a very involved process and very, very personal in that way. We really get very close with with these women who we take through. Yeah. Do you just work with women now, or do you work with men as well? So yeah, like I said, the the, the program that I run is really just for women, or that we run. Um, but mm-hmm. privately, I'm I'm still doing stuff with men. But they're really what I would say that they're my guys. You know, they're the guys who you know we've kind of met through. Um, the coaching and where I've where yeah. I used to work with men in the past. I probably will open up a program for men again in the future along similar lines to what we're doing with women because we're having such success with it. But honestly, um, I always just have to consult my heart really and and sort of where I'm at mm. creatively. And right now, um, it's just the women. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to follow your heart ultimately because mm. it knows the way. Absolutely. Um, so it has to feel right. And just for the listeners out there, Sharif, or people who would like to get in contact with you or, you know, whoever they are trying, you know, if it's another part of the world, um, what is important, for example, if a lady was to come to you and if, okay, let's do this. If I was to say to you, look, Sharif, I'm coming, I need some help, I'm a potential client, what can you help me with what ultimately at the end can I hope to achieve um well you know the the key thing there's kind of two stages to mm-hmm. to what I do particularly for um the the single women you could say that it's there's breaking the cycle of whatever the pattern is that you've been experiencing up till now they're sort of attracting the avoidant men or having very short relationships that don't go anywhere or, you know, a complete dry spell, whatever that pattern is. And then the next part is finding that conscious man who actually chooses you, who, who really is committed to that relationship with you. And for the women who are in relationship, it's, you know, really bridging the gap where there's become that emotional distance and maybe they're in this place of they've become incredibly needy and or anxious you know that he's going to leave and and it's just a it's become a nightmare to sort of be in that relationship maybe it feels incredibly lonely to be in that relationship so there's that pattern whatever that is for her then the next part is reconnecting in a way that is on a completely different level so that they can enjoy the relationship that her you know their hearts really yearn mm. for or to be quite honest, maybe get absolutely clear that that relationship is not the one. And now they have the internal resources and this connection to themselves where the end of that relationship no longer feels like this, you know, like death really, or like this terrifying mm-hmm. thing. So all of the women who have come through our program have ab- 100% break that pattern. The first part, which is whatever it was they've been experiencing up till now is, uh, you know, is done. And that's something I'm very proud of is that all of them break those patterns and and nobody goes back. It's, I mean, to be honest, to go back to the patterns that they were experiencing before they came in would have, it would take some, you'd have to do like an intensive deliberate attempt to undo (laughs) all the shifts. Yeah. It would, it would be, you'd have to do another program, which was designed to undo it. It would, it would just be impossible. But, and then of course we've had some women who are actually in a very loving relationship now or having completely different dating experiences where they're attracting a kind of man that just they've never been with before because he's, he's there, he's present and it looks promising. And, and yeah, so it's, um, that's that's what happens is at the very least you will stop doing whatever it was that's been causing you so much suffering up till now. I think it sounds fantastic. 
actually. And there's so many people out there that could do with this. Really, I know so many people that could do with this because, you know, as a friend or, you know, a family member, you can only go so far because mm-hmm. you just get on people's nerves because you keep saying the same thing all the time. Yeah. Um, but when it's a professional such as yourself or your partner, it's a completely different experience. It's it's something that's needed. In a way, it's like a re-education. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I think it's fantastic. And where can people, tell us, Sharif, where can people find out more about the program and more about you and what you do? Yeah, well, there's a couple of, <laughs> after having slagged off social media for, for an hour, <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of avenues there. So on Instagram, it's at unhealed man. So it's uh, at unhealed underscore man. Um, and then the Facebook group is called Loving the Unhealed Man. And that's a, a, a private Facebook group. So you need to sort of click apply to join and then um, we let you in. And, mm-hmm. and so um, those are the best avenues. And people are also, what they can do, I mentioned uh, earlier that I do these clarity calls, as I call them, and they're yeah. free. And my my calendar at any given point, there's going to be a few slots available. And it's kind of first come, first serve. But if people wanted to, to do that, and it's particularly for, uh, specifically for women who are either single and want to break the pattern of attracting these emotionally unavailable men, or women who are in relationship and want to turn their relationship around. And uh, who it's not for, I have to say, is for women who need help with a breakup. That That's a very specific kind of thing. And that's not really what I do. I mean, I have done that in the past, but breakup coaching is a, is an, uh, is a particular flavor of, of um, work that, that isn't really my speciality. So it's just worth mentioning that. But if people wanted to do that, they could actually... Um, book that directly the the link is ledbyloveco forward slash talk so it's ledbyloveco not com forward slash talk t a l k l k yeah and they can book a call via that link can they yeah if you go to that link there will be mm-hmm. a booking page right there and there'll be some slots on the calendar and you just pick a time and the date that works for you and uh, I will call you and we'll chat. It's fascinating. You're absolutely fascinating, Sharif. And the work that you do, my goodness, there's so much there to give <laughs> to people. Wow. Will you come again? I, I will, yeah. And, and thank you for, for your kind words. I mean, I have to say it is the most satisfying, fulfilling thing that, I've ever done. And, and the fact that Beth and I do it together, it, yeah. I mean, I, I feel very blessed and grateful every day. Um, you know, we, we, you know, our private Facebook group for the women in the program, they're always, what they use that group for really is to post their wins and their, their realizations and their insights and what's shifted for them. And when you look at somebody who, you know, they've had an experience where, a pattern that they've been experiencing for, you know, four or five decades in some cases has, has just suddenly shifted for them. I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, it's, um, it's beautiful, you know. It's incredible work and it's very brave work on your part, I have mm. to say, because you're taking on a lot of burdens from people. It's not an easy work. It's, yeah yeah no thank you for acknowledging that yeah. I have to say it's um that's why there aren't tons and tons of slots available for these calls that I that I offer mm-hmm. and um and it's also why the energy of the program is very um we we've got to be very careful with it and it's like I said it's not really open for everybody who and and their situation yeah. that they're in but um and so you know but that's on me that's my responsibility to make mm-hmm. sure that my emotional hygiene as you could say is 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 kept clean and um yeah but it it is uh it has been a learning curve over the last uh decade of coaching actually to really feel that line of giving and over giving and all of that kind of stuff and you know part of the the work that I did leading up to this as I started to work with women was in this self-defense realm I actually worked with a lot of women who were the victims of all kinds of abuse, including women who have been 
um, kidnapped and uh, sex trafficked and and everything and and so oh yeah I've I've been really in it you know with people so my nervous system is well trained to hold that space mm. for for people and um, yeah needless to say nothing nothing really shocks me anymore and and uh, yeah <laughs> but it's very yeah. rewarding work understood understood it's um, when. I, I traveled a lot with a friend of mine and um, all over the world and with her daughter. And we used to always say, SAS, are you tough enough? As <laughs> when we were in a, a situation that was crucial, life-threatening or completely crazy, we'd just look at each other and say, SAS, are you tough enough? And it would get us through that moment, mm-hmm. well, you know, because yeah. we needed a, we needed something. And that was our little sort of line it was a code word that we understood just get on with it we just got to push through whatever it is whatever Mm -hmm. border we've gone past whatever we've done whatever mad situation we're in just let's do it and in a way you are that code word i think for so many people yeah, yeah, I didn't think of it like that. But um, <laughs> well, I have to say, whatever traveling you were doing, it sounds very exciting. Yes, <laughs> another story for another day, as they oh, say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much, really, Cherie, for coming today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for inviting me on it. Likewise, it's been uh, really enjoyable to speak with you and your amazing questions as well. Oh, thank you. And I always ask my guests this at the end, because I think it's so important to know from one soul to another, a little bit of advice, you know, a line or two that will help people out there at this Mm. moment, in this time, in this world. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No pressure. Um. (laughs) (laughs) People always come up with the most fantastic of answers, though, I have to say. (laughs) Mm. Well... You know, to, at the danger of uh, being an over promoter, you know, the, the the name of the program is called Led by Love, because ultimately what we really want to do is learn how to be led by love and not be led by the patterns of our past. And the way that one connects with love itself is through the heart and through the body. And so uh, while the mind has its use and the brain is is a really clever tool it's also where it, all the patterns live and all the anxieties are. The heart actually always knows the way. And if you can learn how to be navigated by that, whether it's with us or through some other people, because we're not the only mm-hmm. coaches in the world, you know, um, then that will always lead you to safety because love will never put you in a position of danger. That is beautiful. And I live my life like that, I have to say. Mm, fantastic. Amazing. Thank you again. And please do come back and share some of that wonderful wisdom with us. I will. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Sharif. Take care. You too. And have a good evening. What's left of it? Yes. Likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Sharif Joinson. What a fascinating subject. Incredible, really. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk